Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Well, again, since the title of my message tonight is The Bride for Isaac, I thought I would share yet another story about marriage. Okay, This one is also, too, a bit humorous, and it goes something like this. After God created Adam, right back in Genesis 1, and Adam had been in the garden for a really long time, he started to get a little lonely. So Adam went to God and he said, this garden is amazing. But Lord, I'm starting to get a little lonely. Is there any is there anyone that you can send to keep me company? And God answered, and he says, Man, I have the perfect person. She will help you with almost everything. She'll clean, she'll cook, she'll wash your clothes, she'll be your best friend, she won't argue with you. She will never talk back to you or be in a bad mood. She will even rub your feet after a long day. Adam, she is perfect in every way. Adam was like, wow, that sounds amazing. God, God, how soon can you send her? And God replied, I can send her right away, but there's only one thing. Adam, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get her. Adam thought about it for a minute and then said, what can I get for a rib? This evening, guys, again, it's a rather lengthy chapter, 67 verses. The good news is we've covered 22 so far, so this will be part two. So that means that we'll read most and we'll make a few comments, guys, and application along the way. Well, it's time to get a It's time for Isaac to get a bride. Not just any bride, though. This is so important, and it has just some amazing relevance to us. Why? Because it has to be done the way Father Abraham wants it to be done. The first thing he says is, please, no foreign women from the land of Canaan. Okay? We don't want you to just mingle and co-mingle with the women here. They're foreigners. They don't know my God. And so the servant says, okay, well, what, what else? And he says, well... Isaac needs to get a bride from the land of my people without taking Isaac back to the land. Because he said, hey, we need to take, a, what, if, what if she doesn't come? Do I take him back? He's like, no, 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 don't take him back. Because the promise was God said he was going to what? He was going to make Abraham and his descendants to occupy the land. So that was a promise. And so he's like, okay. So that's kind of where what what Father Abram has talked about. So let me just kind of recap real quick, guys, that what we talked about last week. Abraham and the servant, guys, make a covenant to find a wife for Isaac. So he says, put your hand under my thigh. Guys, remember we talked about that. That was very intimate. That was really close to the very intimate parts of 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 a man and if you did that it was like you were th- this was this was more than a handshake this was like okay i mean when i and, and so they make this covenant right that abraham and he commits to finding a bride for abraham's son now a great lesson we see is that he prayed guys we see a great lesson that he prayed throughout his journey and so all of a sudden he takes 10 camels if you remember and he heads over to mesopotamia in Hebrew, it's called Aram or Syria. So if you're looking at it, it's actually called Aram of the two rivers. So he kind of goes back. Now, here's what I want you to see. The servant drives and goes, drives, he's not really driving, but he goes 450 miles from where Abraham is back to Mesopotamia. 450 miles to find a bride for Isaac. That's a long journey. When you guys think about it, think about it this way. I mean, I mean, that is, that is just, it's just to walk and to pray and to seek God and God, I'm, make me fruitful in my journey. And he gets to a well. If you guys recall, he gets to the well and there's where he prays. And if you recall in verse 12, he said to the Lord, Oh Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master 
Abraham. Now, the first thing we need to understand about prayer, so and so, it's so, so important. You go, what's that? Is that prayer, guys, is often, I mean, we got, he's not praying for himself. He's not saying at the well going, oh, God, I'm tired. Please, man, make my life stop. Oh, I can't believe that 450 miles, you know how long it took me? He's going, oh, please let my, and I just think of his heart. I think, Lord God, my master, please, please show kindness to who? To my master, Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. He says, now, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her Be the one you have appointed for your servant, Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. We can see that the prayer involves what we call putting out a fleece. God, if you do this, I believe you can do this. Now, we need to be careful because Gideon did that. Gideon put out a fleece. And that's where a lot of people take it. Listen, God, if you want me to date her, God, you know, I mean, there's, there's certain things we do, but we have to be careful. I don't know if you remember Terry Dean. Terry Dean used to be an assistant pastor here. Well, Terry Dean, when he was dating his wife, said, Lord, I don't know if she's the one for me, but you need to show me. He put out a fleece, and he said, and as he read the book of Revelation, it said there was a sea of crystal. Her name was Crystal. He goes, God, you, that's it. And so he married Crystal. We got to be careful. Their marriage is good. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is that we, we have to be careful with the fleece. I'll never forget. And I think I drove Nathalie crazy, right? Crazy in love with me. But no, I drove her crazy because when we were in New Mexico and God was calling us out to, to Lubbock, I remember driving and going, Lord, if I see a Texas license plate, you're going to want, you want me to move to Texas. Lubbock is the place. And then I'd see one. I'd be like, there's one, ah! right? And, and I'm putting out all these fleeces, and the Lord's like, dude. So we need to be careful. That doesn't mean we need to be very specific in our prayer. God, here's my prayer. Here's my plan. Now show me. This is what. And that's what he says. He says, Here, here's what I want. I want the young woman to come out, say, not only will I give you a drink, but let me, let me, let me give your camels a drink. Okay? Now, we need to understand that is like crazy because you realize that putting just, just going back and forth from the well to, to, to put the water in the trough so the camels can drink. You know how much camels can drink, right? I mean, this is nuts. I mean, this is like, man, Lord, I don't know if you want me to do this. Write it in the sky. And you're just like, I mean, you're, just, you're asking pretty big, but the servant is on a mission. And so what happens? Well, the first thing we know, guys, and we have to grasp is that this is an awesome selfless prayer. And that's what prayer has to be. Right? Why? Well, jot this down if you're taking note. Prayer is always God-centered. Prayer is always God-centered, right? When you pray, God has to be the center of that prayer. And so what happens is that even before the servant, who is a type of the Holy Spirit, finishes praying. Here comes the bride, Rebecca. Here she comes, right? Now, the prayer was answered by the way Rebecca responded. Check this out. Verse 17 says, And the servant ran to meet her, said, Please, let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand, and she gave him a drink. Now, here's what she knew. She runs up to him. She doesn't know him, right? Or he doesn't know her. First, can I have a drink? Absolutely. There you go. There you go. And then it says, and when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels until they had finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well, draw water, and she drew all this for the camels. And this is like, wow. Now, here's what we need to realize, and I think it's such a great application for us. You guys ready? If we note the servant's talk, we'll also note the servant's walk. Okay? And I think that's so important for us. It's not enough for us to say we're Christians. We need to act like Christians. We need to, we need to, our, our walk really needs to match our talk. What we say, guys, is, is, again, who do we represent? We don't represent us anymore. We represent the Lord Jesus. And so if we're sitting around, and, and, and that's the biggest thing. 
See, the biggest thing that you can tell is that people can smell hypocrisy a mile away. Oh, well, do as I say, not as I do. No, no, no. Do as I say and watch me. That's what Paul says. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Okay, so our walk has to match our talk. It has to be the very same thing. The very, the very character of who we are, the very character of who we say we are needs to match up together. We need to be people of integrity, people of honesty, people who take responsibility. And when we blow it, people who go, I'm so sorry, I made a mistake. I messed up. I blew it. So many times we're so defensive, guys, that we go, well, that's because, well, this is because, well, why did you do that? Well, that's because my mom pinned my diaper too tight when I was a baby. I mean, well, I'll make all kinds of excuses instead of going, you know, let's own up to it. I'm, I, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I make a mistake. And that's so important that our what? That our talk matches our walk. Let's just not say it. Let's just not love in word. But let's love in word and deed, is what the Bible says. Let's not say, hey, hey, I love you. I love you, sister. I love you. Okay, you can say that all day long, but but does it match? Does it match? Again, what a great lesson. So all this is going on. She's running back and forth. And it says, and the man, the servant, right, just wondering at her, remained silent as to see whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Now, that verse just really throws me for a loop. And I'll tell you why. Because the moment she said, let me draw for your candles, I'm like, yes, that's what I prayed. How many of us do that? How many of you have ever prayed a prayer and God answered it the exact way? You're like, and you still didn't believe. <laughs> you still didn't. You're like, God, if, right? And whatever it might be, whatever it might be, you're saying, God, if this happens or that happens, or if this person does this, or da 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 whatever it might be, and God does it the exact way to give you confirmation, and we still don't believe. He said, God, Lord Jesus, the woman, and she comes out, and I'm going to ask her for a drink. And if she says, go ahead and have a drink, and I'm going to, I'm going to what? I'm going to, I'm going to get your camels a drink too. That's the one that you have for Isaac. And here comes the girl, and she says the exact same thing. And he's like, okay, <laughs> let's see. What's going on? He just stayed wide. He said, Lord. I need to know whether the Lord has made his journey prosperous or not. I think there's a I think there's an issue of faith there, isn't there? And we have faith, guys. Sometimes we lose our faith. And she, the servant says, Okay, okay, that's what it is. But it didn't take long for him to gain his faith back. Look at verse 22. And so it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a, a gold, the golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing 10 shekels of gold. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I don't know what this, what this nose ring looked like, but it's pretty big. You know, it's gold, gold, gold. Now, here's what I love, guys. Here's what I love in... And because the servant is a type of the Holy Spirit, I want, you, I want you to see if you caught that. You go, what's that? He came, he prayed, and then he gave him gifts. And you go, okay. We learned this last night in discipleship, guys. Being a type of the Holy Spirit, right? We learn in Corinthians chapter 12 that he gives us gifts. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, reading from the New Living Translation says, a spiritual gift is given to each one so we can help each other. What does that mean? If you're here and you are born again, you have a spiritual gift. Now, you can have more than one, but you have at least one from God's Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? You have at least one. You go, well, uh, well, Ben, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I'm not sure what it is. He says, well, to one person, he gives the ability to what? To give wise advice. He has the gift of wisdom. Let me tell you what happens. Let me, here's the problem, guys. Sometimes when we walk in this world, we walk and we're so set in our ways that we don't get counsel from anybody else. 
And yet, God might want to use wisdom from someone else to help us. Leon, it was the men's fellowship the other night, and, and the other day, and I asked Leon, Leon, you've, you've lived a long life. What, would you, what wisdom would you give the younger people? And he said, you know what? The stuff is great, but it's about Jesus. He just gave us some amazing... See, but if, if we don't ask, we don't know. We don't know. To another, he says, the same Spirit gave the message of special knowledge. We talked about that. That's the gift of knowledge. The gift of knowledge. God has revealed something, maybe about what's going on in your life to somebody else, and he goes, oh, well, and you're like, wow, how did you know? No, I haven't told anybody that. I haven't told anybody that. And so there's several gifts, guys, to the same spirit. He gives what? Great faith. How about that? Let's ask for that gift. God, I want the gift of great faith. I want the, the gift of great faith. If you're on Facebook and we're friends, I posted something the other, the other day, yesterday, and it was, it was, God has already worked it out. Stop worrying. How many of you saw that? Anybody saw that? Yeah. And then I put on there, thoughts. I, I, I want to know your thoughts. And I got a lot of amens. I got a lot of likes. I've got a lot of, I mean, those are cool, but I really wanted to know why. Here's why. Because I want great faith to really believe that. That if God has worked it all out, why am I worrying? Because I'll tell you why. I believe God has worked it all out. I really do, but I continue to worry. I continue to struggle. I continue to go, why? And so I'm going, okay, so what, what is it? Oh, God, I want, I want great faith to believe that you have worked everything out. I want that faith. God, I ask for that gift. To some, he's give what? He gives some great, and some to the Spirit, he gives the gift of healings, and to another, the perform miracles. Others, the ability to prophesy, guys. He gives some, someone else the ability to discern whether a message from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. That's the gift of discernment. Oh, you go, what's the gift of discernment? Most, a lot of women have the gift of discernment, okay? But the gift of discernment is a spiritual gift, but it's when, it's when there's somebody who claims to be a Christian... And sometimes the guy's like, man, I got a new friend. Check it out. He's my bro. And your wife will look and she'll go, "Mm, you better be careful with him. There's something not right there. You go, what is it? I don't know. I can't put my foot on, can't put my finger on it, but there's something. It's, it's not, that message is not from. He also gives us this, the, the, the discernment guys when, when we're at church or we're visiting a church, or we're watching it on TV, and you know if the message is from the Holy Spirit, from the Scriptures or not. You're like, "Mm mm-mm, that guy, that guy. We were sitting at an afterglow one time, big church at a conference, and I'll remember, we're sitting there and we're praying, and we're just asking God to move in our hearts, and this person stood up and began speaking, and Natalie looked at me and she goes, that person's in the flesh. That person's in the flesh. It's just something in my spirit is that he's, he's, it's not from God. And I was just like, wow. And, and I mean, it was just, it was so true. It was so true. That's the gift of discernment, guys. And a, and a lot of, a lot, that's for that gift. Some of you have that gift. He says, another gift is to speak in an unknown language. All another is ability to, to interpret that. Here's the point. The Holy Spirit gives every one of us gifts. You have a gift. You have a gift. Every one of us has a gift. And it's so important to find out, where's my gift? What's my gifting? Now, listen, there are times in a small church where we all have to serve everywhere. It's like, well, that's not my gifting, but I'll do it because there's a need. But when you find your gifting, man, and you can walk in that gifting, it's just like so cool. The gift of administration, the gift of helps, right? Any type of gift God has given you, and if you want to... You want to use your gift. Well, in our scripture, guys, we know that he came and he gave what? He gave Rebecca gifts. So that's where we left off last week. Let's pick it up in verse 23. And he said, whose daughter are you? Please, or tell me, please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Michael's son, whom bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed his head, and he worshiped the Lord. I think that is stinking cool. And you go, why? 
Well, first and foremost, I want you to see what's happening. Are you the one? Let me, let me, let me get your camels filled with, let me quench their thirst. Let me do this. Oh, God, is this the one for Isaac? But think about what had to happen. Think about how God was working in the background. Think how God was preparing this house. Why? Because not only did they have room, but they have to have room for 10 camels. Sure enough. Go back in your mind, right? Go back in time. Think about when Bethuel was was building a house, and he's like, do I need all this room? Why do I need all this room? Who's going to come? I don't know. Well, let's build it anyway. God was already working before this had already happened. You see, guys, God is working in our lives even before we see it. God is moving. He's in the background. And let me just say this to you. You go, well, Ben, I know that we've been looking for a building. God's already building the building right now. We just don't know where it is. He's already got it set up for us. It's already there. He's already working all of his plans out. We just have to be patient. And then when we go, hey, guess what? I found a building. You go, oh, yeah, well, God had that for you five years ago. It's just, now's the time. Now's the time. Think about that in your life. God's working now, even when you don't see it. Even when you don't see it. Now, when you're sad and depressed and lonely and struggling, like we all do, that's what you got to hold on to. God's still working. God's still, I don't see it, Ben. I don't see it. I know. I know. I know. And the second thing I love about this, guys, is, is notice his response to answered prayer. He worships. He worships. When God answers my prayer, I say, amen, God, yeah, good job. But do I worship? Do I give him the worship that, that he deserves? I think that is just so, that's he just, he just, man, this, wow, wow, Lord, you are amazing. And he said, blessed be the Lord of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy or his truth toward my master. For as for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. I want you to see that, guys. Look at verse 27. What did he say? As for me, being on the way, the Lord, help me, led me. The Lord Led me. What does that mean? Guys, here's the point. Let the Lord lead your life. And I'll tell you why. Because it's really hard to it's really hard to steer a parked car, isn't it? It's really hard. If we want to be guided by the Lord, we need to be moving. We need to be moving. Let the Lord lead us. I mean, what a beautiful prayer. He's going out there and he's going, God, guide me, lead me. Lead me. And the Lord's like, oh, right, here's a house. Plenty of room for camels. Right? It's a 10 camel in. Now, let's talk about the servant Laban, verse 28. So the young woman ran, and she told her mother's household these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Everybody say Laban. Okay? Now, Laban, guess what he did? He ran out of the house. Okay, he ran out uh, to meet the men by the well. So Rebecca comes in, oh my gosh, you won't believe it, look at this. Look at my nose. You know, she's just excited. She's telling everything. And so what does Laban do? Laban goes and he meets the men by the well. So it came to pass when, notice that, when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebecca saying, the men spoke to me, and he went to the man, and stood there by the camels at the well. The problem with Laban is that Laban is lame. He's out for greed. He saw the bracelets, and he saw the nose ring, and what's the first thing he does? He goes out to meet the dude who has this stuff. He goes out there, right? And you're going to see this, okay? So what happens? He's going to go out, and he's going... To meet it. Notice what he says in verse 31. Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Laban, you don't even know this dude. I know, but did you see what my sister had? 
She had ching, boom, right? She had the bling. I mean, this is good. Who's the dude who did it? I'm going to go over there. I'm going to talk to him, right? This is what's going on, right? And he says, oh, and then he looks at him. He says, oh, come in, oh, bliss. What is that, right? Right? You are so awesome. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. <laughs> How did he even know? Rebecca comes in. He's like, oh, I, no, we've got it taken care of. Then the man came in the house. He unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for camels and water to wash his feet for the feet of men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat till I've told you my errand. And so he said, speak on. Now, here's what we need to know about Laban. Laban, right, is eventually going to be trouble to, right, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Jacob is going to, well, Jacob and Rebecca are going to do some stuff, and he's going to have to run to his brother Laban, and then all of a sudden, he falls in love with, who is it, Rachel? Right? And he says, he tells Laban, Uncle Laban, I'll work for you for seven. She's so beautiful. Seven years will be like nothing if I could just if I could just marry her. And she's the younger one. You guys remember that? And so what happens is that, well, Rachel has an older sister named Leah. And so when it time it's time to consummate the marriage, time to get married, right? Well, she has the veil. We learned that, right? We learned that. Well, we'll see that she has a veil on. And he goes in there, and it's not Rachel, it's Leah. Laban had deceived Jacob. He says, well, the younger, the older can't get married. The younger can't get married first. You got to marry both of them. He goes, okay, so he works another seven years for Rachel. And then when they're about to leave, anyway, you guys will read that story. But Laban is that dude. Laban is that dude, okay? So the servant says, okay, I'm not going to eat until I tell you. So he's going to tell us the story again, okay? So this will read verse 34. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, you shall not take a wife from for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said, the Lord before you, whom I talk, I will send an angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my family father's house. You will be clear from the oath when you arrive among the family. If they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well, the Lord God of my master Abraham. If you prosper in the way which I go, behold, I stand at the, at the well of water. And it shall come to pass that when a virgin comes out to draw water, I will say to her, please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And if she says to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also, let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking, in my heart there was Rebecca coming to me, coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder, shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, please give me a drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder okay, and said, drink, and I will give the camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. So I asked her and said, well, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put a nose ring on her nose and bracelets on her wrists, and I bowed my head, and I worshiped the Lord. And I blessed the Lord of my master Abraham, who led me in the way of truth to take a daughter from my master's brothers for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right or to the left. So he recaps all of what we just learned. He says, tell me the truth. This is it. So here's the reaction. Okay, here's what we call the betrothal picture. In verse 50, it says, Then Laban and Bethuel answered 
and said. Now, here's what we need to understand. In this culture, it was common for the older brother to confer, even with the father, about family matters. Okay, so when you read it, you go, why would, they ask, why would you ask my, my silly brother anyway? He has nothing to do. No, this was very culture, okay? So this is what they both said. They said, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good, okay? The thing comes from the Lord. Remember, what's the first thing they realized? They realized that God's hand was in it. The first thing they did together is goes, man, this is from the Lord. This is, this is God doing stuff. Here's what we need to remember, guys, in our lives, in our walks, okay? In our walks, there are times when you will be, you will be spiritually attacked in your walk, okay? You will be spiritually attacked. There will be things in your life where you go, man, that's a spiritual attack. That's a straight-up spiritual attack. But there's a lot of times, guys, when God, okay, when God is doing something, and it still hurts. And that's what we need to understand. And when we wait on the Lord and we go, God, I don't understand. And that's usually our big question. God, I don't understand. Why, 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 why? But see, but God has, God has a plan because they go, man, listen, this thing comes from the Lord. And when God begins to move in our lives and we see that, we can rest assured that he's doing something greater in our lives. So we have to be so careful. They go, man, man, I've had a horrible week, man. Guys, you'll know spiritual attacks, but you'll know when God wants to grow you up. You'll know spiritual attacks, and you'll know when God's going, listen, I want to prune your life. You'll know spiritual attacks, and you'll know that God, and so, and so think about it, guys. Laban and Bethuel go, listen, what can we say? We can't say anything good or bad. This is from the Lord. This is from the Lord. We have to be so careful, though, because we use that phrase a lot. Well, God told me. Well, God told me, right? But here's the criteria. You want to know the criteria, okay, if you guys should do something? Here's the criteria. Number one, is it found in the Word? Did God speak to you through His Word? Okay? Because that's how God speaks. Lord, are we supposed to buy a house? I'll just use that one for it. Are we supposed to buy a house? Is it in his word? Absolutely, okay? Find it in his word. God speaks to you in his word. The second thing is, guys, is that what you should do before making a move is get counsel. Get counsel. Talk to people. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Here's the thing. And get counsel from people you really trust. That's so important. And then the third thing you need to do is you need to pray and fast and listen to the voice of God. Those, these, guys, these are so important because what we do is we go, well, I think I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to buy this car. I'm supposed to buy this car. I think God put it in my heart. Why? Well, I just because just I've wanted it and I think I should get it and I think I should, amen. But the problem is, is that have you prayed about it? Have you fasted about it? Have you sought counsel about it? Has God spoke to you through his word? So important in our lives when we make these decisions, right? Who are we supposed to marry? Have you prayed? Have you sought counsel? Right? That's a big one, right? You have, you have teenagers right here. That's, that, if the Lord tarries, they're going to grow up. They're going to get married. They're going to find, you know, is this the one for me? Is this the one that's going to be? And again, last week I said, I said last week, guys, that, 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 if you're a single sister, you need to realize that your Isaac, your Isaac is going to want you, he's going to look at the Jesus in you more than who you are. He wants you to be set apart. Now, there's a lot of guys, they're not Isaacs. There's a lot of guys that be like, oh, man, I want to date the popular girl. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to, you know what? Mm-mm. Your Isaac will want the Jesus in you. Because that's what makes you beautiful. Because this eventually fades. This eventually said, did get wrinkled. I look in the mirror and say, where did they re- Oh, oh, look inside. Right? I just. <laughs> but Jesus in us. Jesus. That's what, that's what you fall in love with. Right? 
It doesn't help that she's a knockout. But nonetheless, it's still Jesus. And again, Laban and Bethuel answered and said, this thing comes from the Lord. We can't speak either good or bad. Here's Rebecca before you. Take her and go. And let, be your, let it be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words. Guess what? He worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Wow. Okay, it's, this must be God's will. Listen, sometimes, sometimes God's will like this is amazing. It's, a, it's amazing. God's in this taker. <gasps> we worship the Lord. Amen. And sometimes, think about this. Let me ask you a question, okay? Let me put your thinking caps on. John the Baptist. John the baptizer. What happened to John? Right? He, he lost his head, right? He got his head cut off. But do you realize that Jesus called John the Baptist one of the greatest prophets there ever was? And that he, he was perfectly in God's will? Do you think John the Baptist worshipped when he was in prison? Because sometimes, guys, we can be right in the middle of God's will, and the answer may be a resounding no. And we don't feel like worshiping at that point, do we? See, we love yeses. We love when God answers yes, because that's what we want. This is what I want. Sometimes God says no. And I'm grateful for that. i got to be honest with you. I'm grateful for that because unbeknownst to you, before I met Nathalie, I was engaged to another woman. Not at the same time, so don't look at me that way and don't say, does Nathalie know that? Yes, she knows that. Okay, I thought, man, this is the one. This is great. Man, we're, yeah, started out with a promise ring, bought an engagement ring. This is, we're going to get married. And and God's like, no. You see, Ben, because this is not who I have for you. I'm looking far in your future, and I've got somebody else over here, although she's not saved yet. You see, she wasn't saved. She wasn't saved. And she got saved. And then God brought her. And God says, this is what you're going to need for what I have for you. Aren't you glad when some God, some God says no sometimes? We need to worship in those times. Lord, thank you for saying no. Thank you, thank you. You know what's best for me, amen. I worship you. That's what he does. He worships. He worships. And he bowed himself to the earth. And then notice what he does in verse 53. And the servant brought the jewel, brought out jewelry, silver, jewelry of gold, clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. And he also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. So Laban gets some stuff. And he and the men who were with him ate, and they drank, and they stayed all night. And they arose early in the morning, and he said, send me away to my master. But notice, but Laban and her mother said, hold on, let the young woman stay with us just a few days, at least 10. After that, she may go. And the servant said to them, no. Don't hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. And they said, well, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. And they called Rebecca, and she said, I will go with this man. Oh, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Why is that so, why is that so amazing? Okay, so first and foremost, Laban gets all of this gifts. The mothers get all of this gifts. I mean, Rebecca's just decked out, bling everywhere. This is amazing, okay? But what happens is that we've got to look at the heart of Laban. Guys, the Bible tells us, and here's what you've got to write. The Bible says that we need to be a friend, and we need to rejoice with those who rejoice, and we need to mourn with those who mourn. We need to be that type of friend. When something good happens to your friend, you should be all up, amen. And, and you know what? The, the problem is, is that we think we're everybody's counselor. 
No, listen, Laban's, Laban's thinking, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I just need to make sure that Rebecca, and maybe if he stays here 10 more days, I might get some more gifts. But I'm telling you right now, the moment he's, you know, he said, listen, send us on our way, Laban should have been, amen, sister, I, this is going to be amazing, may be fruitful and prosper. We have to be so careful because the lesson we can learn here, guys, is that we need to rejoice when good things happen to our friends. Even if you feel this is not, this is not, I don't know, I'm not feeling good about this, but man, I love you, sister, and, and I just want you to be careful. I just, be, you know, be careful. Be careful. I'm, almost, I'm getting married. Oh, okay, praise the Lord. Oh, I don't know. But we, we, we remember, remember, and this is hard, guys, because our tongue, it could either speak life into people or it could speak death into people. It's, it's, this, it's this big. It doesn't weigh very much, but it could. You could crush people's feelings in just like this. And, and we don't even mean to. We're just like, man. And, I, and, and, so, and so what do they do? They said, he's like, let me go. Let, listen, just, this is what I came for. I don't need to stay here 10 days. What am I going to stay here 10 days for? And they said, well, we'll ask Rebecca. Let's ask Rebecca. And, Will you go with him? And I don't know if the family had a little pool, you know, I was like, hey, you know, just hang out here a little bit. And she's like, no, I'll go. I'll go. But what I want you to see, guys, is what a beautiful picture this is right here of the rapture of the church. You see, because Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, you guys know this, right? He tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4 that one day, right, in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to hear the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up to, to be with the Lord. That's the rapture, okay? So let me just paint this out for you. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to be sitting here in church, or we're going to be driving, and all of a sudden, man, you're going to hear this, you're going to hear this trumpet, this amazing spiritual trumpet. I believe we won't hear it just audibly, but it'll be in our hearts. Man, you can hear it, and you go, this is it. I'm going home. The dead in Christ will rise first, so the graves are going to open up, right? We who are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We talked about this last week. It's going to be glorious. Guys, that's happening, okay? This is not something that, that's on TV, and you're thinking, oh, it's an ABC movie special, or, or Netflix is putting this on. That's not what it's happening. This is going to happen. This is going, and I heard somebody tell me the other day, well, if the rapture doesn't happen, you have a personal rapture that's coming. A personal rapture is when you take your final breath and you'll be in the presence of the Lord. Amen? We had that happen. We have that happening right now. Mrs. Dean, co-owner of Joyland, she passed, she was 100. We had a friend from the gym, Nathalie's, came to the gym, 95. It, this is the cutest Hallmark story you'll ever be in, for real, but this is, this is the truth. He was 95, 95, still going to the gym. So first of all, no excuses, amen? But his wife passed away eight years ago. And guess where they found him? They found him at the grave of his wife, and he died this very same day she died eight years ago. I mean, it, it, hey, that's, again, me, listen, that's how I want to go. You know, he's 95, he walks over to the grave. I mean, it's like the Lord's like, okay, it's the same day, let's go. I mean, I was like, you can't make that stuff up. That really happened just this week. And we have Granny, who we prayed for on Sunday, Becky's grandma, that, that <laughs> she, she cracked us up. She, you know, she was sitting there on Sunday, right, and she's trying to get out of the bed. And she said the funniest thing. She said, do I have to stay in this bed my whole lifetime? That's what she said. She's in the bed, right? She's 92 years old. She can't get up, but, you know, she's ready to meet Jesus any time now. So, guys, those are personal raptures. But think about this. How many of you, when Jesus calls, would you rather stay around or 10 more days? Oh, God, hold on, God. I know you're calling me home. Let me just stay 10 more days. 10 more days. No, guys, I don't, when Jesus calls, no delay. I want to go. Uh, can, can you imagine? Uh, here's a trumpet, right? And we're like, um, I'm just going to wait 10 more days, see what happens. No, listen, you call me, I'm out of here. 
right? I don't know about you. I'm going to be on the first busload out. I'm going to be on the first busload, right? Move out of the way, Adam. Tiffany, stand back. I'm going in. I'm moving in. Joe, hard work, clean living over there. I'm getting in this bus. I'm going home. But that's, that's the beautiful picture. That's what's going on, right? And here's why. Listen, you go, Ben, why are you such a... Here's why. Because Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. The problem is, guys, is the enemy has taught us that death is so permanent. And I understand that death is hard here on earth because we miss them. But for the believer, death is gain. It's the most beautiful thing in the whole wide world. It's, it's, I mean, you can't imagine what heaven is like. You can't imagine. Paul says, I saw it and I didn't even, I, I don't, can't even tell you what I... I don't have words. And we're like, I don't know. I think I'd stick on I'd stick around on earth ten more days. Really? You want to stick around earth this earth? Everything that's going on ten more days? No, no, no. When Jesus has been, yes, sir, I'm out. I'm out. That's how you guys feel too, because you love Jesus. Because you love Jesus. So, verse 59, they sent Rebecca their sister, her nurse, and Adam's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. So they send her on the way with a blessing. There you go. Amen. So now we have the wedding day. Okay? We're going to have the wedding day. So we're, we're going to close with these seven verses. Okay, we're going to close with these verses. Look at verse 60. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who bless them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. Okay, we are closing, so if the worship team wants to get ready... (laughs) So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now, Isaac came from the way of Beer Laharoi, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. Okay, most people feel like, now, now here's what you need to see. Most people feel like that is his time of prayer. And I think it's so cool, because I think every one of us should have our little area, our little, if you will, beer laharoi, where we go out and this is where we pray. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a field somewhere. It doesn't have to be at the park. I mean, it could be in a, in a chair that you pray. This is your prayer chair, whatever it might be, but I think you need to have one. And so Isaac went out to meditate in the field. In the evening, he lifted his eyes and he looked, and there were the camels coming. Then Rebecca lifted her eyes. Now, remember, 450 miles to meet Isaac. She lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. For she said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, This is my master. Notice this verse, guys. you got to underline it. And she took a veil, and she covered herself. Okay? So with the servant, with the men, she didn't have the veil. She saw her husband, and she says, Oh, I need to cover myself. That's why... Jacob didn't know it was Leah on the wedding night because she had veiled herself. It was a sign of respect. It was a sign of intimacy. It was, oh, okay. With, with the servant, you, you can see my face, and with the men, and you know she didn't have one at home, but she saw her husband. And that's, guys, that's where we get the tradition of the white veil. Nobody really uses it anymore, but back in the day, you used to have a veil covered, and you could not take that veil off until you were married. You guys remember that? And they'd pull the veil off, and you say, you may kiss the bride. At that point, you were married, but that's, that's the tradition that it comes in. Verse 66, and the servant told Isaac all the things she had done. Verse 67, highlight that. This is the wedding. And Isaac brought her into her mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. 
What a beautiful picture of marriage. Really simple. She came in. She's done. Where did she take him? She took him into what? Into her mother's tent. And Isaac was comforted. Now I have a wife. It's a beautiful picture. You see, it's the same picture, guys, that we're going to see because that's exactly what the Lord's going to do. He's going to blow the trumpet. We're going to be raptured, and then we're going to be with the Lord forever. I love the fact that it says that Isaac loved her. He didn't know her. He just got off the camel. Why? Listen to me. Because love is a choice. And my Jesus chose to love us. And the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He chose to come down. And the Bible says, While we were yet sinners, when we were mess-ups, God demonstrated his love. While we were still sinners, he died for us. That's a choice. That's a choice. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for all 67 verses. Thank you that we can learn and grow and apply these things to our life. We love you, Lord. We worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.